was this bachelor who had a cat that was his companion. He loved this cat better than life itself. You know, he uh, just adored this cat. But he had a trip planned to England, and so he entrusted his cat to his brother to take care of it. So he goes on off to England, and when he gets there, he calls his brother back and says, well, how's my cat doing? Your cat's dead. What? How can you just tell me like that that my cat died? Well, how should I have told you? Well, you could have kind of eased me into it. You know, you could have said something like, well, your cat's stuck up on the roof, but the fire department's here trying to get him down. And then when I call back the next night, you could say, well, the fire department got him off the roof, but the fireman accidentally dropped him off the ladder and uh, he got hurt real bad. But the, the uh, finest uh, veterinary surgeon's working on him and doing all they can to make him better. And then when I call back the next night, you could say, well, the surgeon worked heroically on him, but, but the cat passed away. That way it wouldn't have been such a shock. Oh, and then he said, by the way, how's my other? Well, she's up on the roof, but the fire department's here. <laughs> okay, I got another story that's uh, uh, a little more touching, I think. There's a fella that I know on Facebook, and you've probably read about this. His name is Paul Robinson, and uh, he is a truck driver. He's not a bachelor. He is a widower. He had a wife he loved very much who uh, always rode with him in the trucks, and when she passed away, he went to the shelter and he got a cat. This wasn't his first cat. That one passed away, and he went back to the shelter and picked up this one, whose name is Percy. Well, Percy had been riding with him in the truck for about a year when this happened in February 2017. Pre-Flash was uh, driving down the interstate across Ohio into Indiana, and he had food poisoning. That's a hazard when you're on the road and eating out of truck stops. He was feeling pretty rough, and so he pulled over in a rest stop to sleep for a while. Well, he woke up. It was freezing in the cab, and he found the, the window was down, and Percy was nowhere to be seen. So what had happened is that Percy had seen something out there. He decided he wanted to get out and explore. And either he was smart enough just to push the window button or he accidentally stepped on it. Down went the window and out went Percy. Well, Paul, who I call Pre-Flash, he is a, also a photographer. And uh, he is very, very dedicated to going around taking action shots of roller derby people. And you know, all the roller derby ladies have their own nickname, Nom de Guerre, as it were. And uh, so his is pre-flash Gordon so anyway pre-flash was just terribly upset that uh, Percy was gone and he went out just looking and calling for him everywhere and he got online he has many many people who follow him because of his uh, photography and explained the situation it turned out there was one of his friends pretty close by who came there it was getting dark by now and he brought a big spotlight and they looked everywhere calling for Percy with no luck. There was a, a 
weather warning that a big winter storm was coming in. And Tree Flash had to leave. He's driving a truck with a cargo worth several hundred thousand dollars. He signed on the line on a contract that he'll get it where it's supposed to be on time. So with a heavy heart, he had to leave, even though they hadn't found the cap. His friend kept searching, and people from all over the world were calling the uh, animal shelters all around there and trying to help out. Well, he drove on across about half of Indiana and had to stop and make a delivery. Uh, it had started raining, and then it got cold and started snowing as he was going along. He made this first delivery and then went on down to southeast Indiana and uh, dropped off the rest of his load. He got out of the cab and went and talked to the man he had to see about the delivery. As he came back to the truck, a cat came out from under his truck. Well, he was just grieving like he'd had to abandon his child. And the cat didn't really make much of an impression, just some stray. Then it dawned on him. That is Percy. And Percy just looked up at him with those big eyes, you know, like Dad, you know, what's been going on. And he scooped him up in his arms. and Oh, he was dirty. He stunk. He had dirt all over him and grease and smelled like diesel fuel and exhaust. But, but Pre-Flash just kissed on him and hugged him and loved him, you know, and was just ecstatic that he'd come back. And got online and told everybody, you know, hey, call off the search. I found him. And uh, it, it actually got quite a bit of uh, national attention. I'm sure you can find the whole story online. And that was just an amazing uh, uh, reunion because he thought that his cat was gone, probably dead. He'd never see him again. And I got to say that that cat is a lesson in faith for us, too. Now, he had run off where he wasn't supposed to, as most of us have, I think all actually, and uh, was just going about doing his own thing. He heard the calls, but he didn't come back. And then he heard the truck start up. And he knew, you know, if he drives off, I'm a goner. But if he could get on that truck and stay, uh, he'd be all right. So he came and jumped up under the cab somewhere in the engine compartment on the transmission, whatever, and just hung on through 400 miles of driving through a winter storm and, uh, and made it because of that. We all ought to have faith like that. Anyway, the, uh, the, we are all saddened by the death of a, a pet, a friend, a family member, a loved one, and just being separated from them is really, really, really hard. But you know, we've had several funerals of, of people from our church or family members just in the last week or two. In the midst of sadness, there can be joy. If we're Christians and we know that our loved ones were, we know that they go to be with Christ and that we'll see them again one day. And that, that takes some of the, the pain away. We have hope that others don't. Jesus said in John eleven twenty five, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. 
And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Well, I do, and I hope everyone does. Because the resurrection is at the center of the Christian faith. Not just Jesus' resurrection, but everyone who follows him also. Now, when's that going to happen? Well, it takes place at Christ's second coming. And that's what we're talking about today. This is the last sermon in uh, Mark's series on the basics of the Christian faith. You know, uh, I really appreciate what Chris and all the musicians have done today with, with picking out music that was all just really, really appropriate to this. It went with the topic. And I couldn't help thinking while I was getting ready for this, two weeks ago I got to sing here with the Christian Ayers Quartet and we sang Jesus is Coming Soon. That would have gone great with this too. There's a whole uh, section of theology called eschatology, E-S-C-H-A-T-O-L-O-G-Y, that's all about uh, the end times, death, resurrection, judgment, and uh, parousia, which is a Greek word from this passage in the, the New Testament, is a term that's used theologically to refer uh, to the second coming, or the end of the world, the day of the Lord, the end times. And uh, uh, it's a Greek word meaning presence or appearing. So that's what we're talking about. And I hope we'll all have a little better understanding of this stuff when, when we finish. But it is a pretty complicated topic. Now our scripture is going to be 1 Thessalonians 4.13 to 5.11. And if you want to look in your pew Bible, it starts on page 958. Thessalonica is a city in Macedonia where... Uh, Paul established a church. There were a number of other cities uh, in the area uh, where he started churches. Philippi, Berea, from which our loyal Bereans uh, Sunday school class takes the name from the people there. Amphipolis, Apollonia, Neapolis. It's part of modern day Greece. It's on the northwestern shore of the Adriatic Sea and it's called Thessaloniki today. You see, the, it's very close. And uh, also called Salonica and some other variations. Now, the Thessalonians, like the other new Christians in the various churches, understood that Jesus was coming back soon. Jesus had said he was going to return. They thought it was going to happen right then, real soon in their lifetimes. But the Thessalonians were concerned that some of their church members had passed away. And they were afraid they missed out on seeing Jesus when he comes back. What's going to happen to them? Are they just lost because they die? And Paul wrote this section here to straighten them out. I'm going to read 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 to 18. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind uh, who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus 
those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down out of heaven with a loud command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now, some things I want to point out in that little section. Uh, Paul said in verse 15, this is according to the Lord's word. This is not just Paul uh, coming up with this. Uh, we don't have this repeated elsewhere in the New Testament. We don't know if this is something that Jesus directly told Paul. We know that Jesus did talk with him. Or whether it was something that Jesus said during his uh, earthly ministry that didn't get recorded in our Gospels but uh, was passed down. But at any rate, this is according to Jesus. And uh, there's an interesting word in there in uh, verse 17 where it says that we will be caught up. Now that's a word that in the Latin version of the New Testament is uh, rapturous. And that's what comes to be the, the English word rapture. And it's a word meaning being forcefully snatched up. Jesus is going to grab us. And uh, uh, we've come to use this as a synonym for being just very ecstatically happy because, in context, that's what we're going to be when Jesus comes and gets us. But, but that's what it means is, is caught up, snatched up. And notice that Jesus' return will be widely known. If you're keeping track of the little fill-in-the-blanks on your bulletin, that's, that's one right there. Now, like I say, everybody thought that Jesus was coming back soon, and some people were worried, hey, they might miss it, you know? Maybe uh, he comes somewhere else and we don't get the word right away. Well, Paul was letting them know this is, is going to be something that, that he knows uh, we all know about. Uh, it's going to be a real event. He said uh, there would be a loud command, the voice of the archangel, a trumpet blast. Jesus himself said in Matthew 24, 27, For as lightning that comes from the east is visible even in the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. We're all going to know it. Now, he doesn't say anything about the other people who aren't following Jesus. I don't know if they'll see and hear all that or not. Or if maybe they'll see and hear something and not understand it, like when Jesus was baptized and the Holy Spirit uh, uh, came on him and, and God the Father uh, spoke about him. Or when Paul encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, it was like that. But anyway, Paul's point is well taken that everybody, at least all of Jesus' followers, are going to know what's happening. Now, a few blocks down the street here on the Bluff City Highway, there's a fire station next to the Hainesfield Elementary School that's got on a pole 
a great big siren or horn that's uh, an emergency alarm. I think the uh, civil defense people put it up when we were worried about Russian nukes. And anyway, it would go off if there were a, an attack like that or a tornado or some uh, dire emergency. And they test it every Saturday at 12 o'clock. So those of us who have been around here a while know what it is. You can hear it all over town. Well, I'll let Mark tell you the story himself, but when he first came here and was down here at the church and heard that, uh, he, was, he was quite alarmed by it. Anyway, it gets everybody's attention. So Paul's saying that we're not going to miss this, especially if you're a believer. And in uh, the end of 16 verse there and 17, the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are alive and left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. So he's coming to take all believers to be with him. Paul puts the believers in Christ in two categories here. Those who have already died in Christ and those who are still alive and still here. You know, uh, uh, we have to look at some of these scriptures about it. Think first about those who have died. Uh, those who have fallen asleep in him says God will bring them with Jesus. How can that happen when he's talking about uh, how they've been dead and buried and they will rise first, but it says that Jesus will bring them with him? Well, we as beings, we're, we're basically in two parts. We've got our physical body and we've got our soul, which is spiritual. When we die, our soul is separated from our body. Body's just husk it's just done we go to be with Jesus what he's saying is that no matter what condition your body's in if you've been buried cremated lost in the sea where if the sharks don't eat you you're eventually gonna just dissolve bones and all he's gonna make us a new body it's gonna be a whole lot better than what we got there's not gonna be anybody who's old and sickly there's not gonna be any little babies who didn't get to grow up there's not going to be any people with an amputation or something like that we're all going to be perfect just like God intended us to be so he's bringing with him these spirits these souls of people who have died from heaven and uh, they will be uh, united with their new body and raised a lot of people uh, have asked to be buried facing east the direction that Jesus is supposed to come from heard about a preacher who said hey put me in a flip-top box cause I'm coming out <laughs> and uh, that's a pretty good attitude but you know it really doesn't matter what happens to our body he's gonna take care of it and then there's gonna be believers still alive on earth when he comes back and uh, uh, he'll take us without having to die if we're still here when he comes now like I said that word for being caught up uh, was rapturous or rapture we call it and uh, over centuries many Christians have debated about just when that's going to happen 
in the prophecies of the end times, there's a really important seven-year period where uh, it's going to be bad. We call that the tribulation. And some people think that uh, Jesus will return and, and take us away before that happens or while it's going on or at the end of it. So terms for that are pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib. And people also have schemes about when uh, Jesus is going to come on earth with regard to this period called the millennium, thousand-year rule of Christ. And uh, so there's uh, pre-mill, uh, post-mill, and a-mill people who believe there's not a millennium. I'm not quite sure how they get that. But anyway, people have uh, spent countless time arguing written thousands and thousands of books and all this stuff. We don't have time to delve into that stuff, but I'll be happy to talk with anybody who wants to. Anyway, uh, uh, that sort of thing is opinion that shouldn't cause us to divide up over what we believe about that sort of thing. That's not the core of the gospel at all. It's all interesting ideas. And I'll say something else. I don't believe that anybody has figured out all the details of what's going to happen. I believe that we will uh, look on it one day and just be amazed at how God fulfilled everything that's been prophesied perfectly. Uh, and uh, we didn't understand it all in advance. Now, 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 to 3. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. Anybody in here who's been pregnant knows that... <laughs> You know, you don't know exactly when that's going to happen, but once it does, there's no saying, no, no, not now. We don't know the exact time this is going to happen. It's going to surprise everybody. In Matthew 24, 36 to 44, Jesus said, But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a handmill. One will be taken and the other left. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. You probably don't recognize the name of Nikolai Ivanovich Bukharin. And I didn't grow up speaking Russian, so that's my best attempt at it. I didn't really know who it was either until uh, I looked him up. Uh, he was a, 
a Russian communist revolutionary who was a big player in the, the communist revolution in 1917, and he was sort of a central actor in that group for a long time, got to be big buds with uh, Stalin until Stalin decided he wasn't and had him shot. Uh, you know, that's your risk hanging around with people like that. But he was about as powerful man as there was on earth uh, during his time when he was in the good with him. He uh, uh, was editor of the newspaper Pravda, which means truth. That's their, their version of truth. And he was a full member of the Politburo. And uh, he wrote a lot of works on economics and social science that are still read today. There's a story told about a journey he made from Moscow to Kiev in 1930, and he was addressing a big crowd about atheism. And he pulled out all his rhetorical heavy artillery, uh, making fun of Christianity and mocking it and uh, uh, hurling insults, arguments, and uh, he thought proofs that it couldn't be true. And he did that for about an hour, and when he was done, he looked out at the audience and said, are there any questions? Well, there was just deafening silence. But then, one man got up, and he came and walked up on the stage and stood beside Bukharin, and he looked at the audience from side to side, and then he shouted out the greeting that the Orthodox Christians are familiar with, Christ is risen! All at once, the crowd stood up together and shouted back, he is risen indeed. And you know, Jesus did arise. And so that's our hope. That's where we place our faith. I'm going to read uh, 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 the rest of this passage, 1 Thessalonians 5, 40, 11. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness so that this day should surprise you like a thief. You are all children of the light and children of the day. We do not belong to the night or to the darkness. So then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you're doing. So that's our connection. Through faith, we can be ready to go with Jesus when he returns. One more little story. After church, where she'd... Uh, been taught a lesson about Jesus' return, a little girl asked her mother, uh, Mommy, do you believe Jesus will come back? Yes. Could he come this week? Yes. Could he come today? Yes. In the next hour? Yes. In a few minutes? Yes. Mommy, please brush my hair.
We all ought to be ready like that uh, because he might come anytime. And when he does, we want him to find us doing what we're supposed to be doing, living like he taught us to live, and helping each other out, encouraging one another, teaching one another, supporting one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you so loved us that you gave your only son, Jesus, that he was willing to die for us, that we might never perish but have everlasting life with you. Father, we pray that uh, whenever you're ready for Christ to come, that we may be found uh, ready for him, doing what we're supposed to do, that he may say, well done, good and faithful servants. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.